welcome everyone. I'd like to welcome visitors with us as well. It's good to have everyone here. We are going to look at the Bible this morning, and um, I'm not starting in Colossians yet, although I appreciate the anticipation on the front of the bulletin of the verse, um, but we're going to look at, I'm going to be speaking topically today from a couple of different scriptures. I'd like to start off with John chapter 16, the first four verses, uh, the first four verses of John 16. If you're using the Pew Bibles, this is page 1072. I'm going to read just the first part of that 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 ends about halfway through verse 4. John chapter 16, 1 through, we'll call it 4b, the first half of 4. These are the words of Christ to his followers. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. A word of prayer together. Precious Lord, we humble ourselves before you this morning. Thank you so much for inspiring your scriptures to be written many centuries ago and then preserving them for us in our own language through all these ages, these years, Lord. Thank you for these words of Christ to his early followers, and I just pray that you would help us to take these words to heart and help us, Lord, to respond to you in this day in which we live, that we would respond to you in the way that would please you. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would help me as I try to preach and help each of us as we listen to your word. And I ask, Holy Spirit of God, that you would please, please, for the sake of Jesus, come and pour out your grace in our lives and work miracles among us. so that we might be radically devoted to you and be bright lights in this dark world, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
My wife and I were recently traveling in a car for quite a few miles, driving. We went down south uh, to visit some of our children and grandchildren. As we drove, we listened to an audio book called Live Not By Lies, written by Rod Dreher. Um, Live Not By Lies was a quote, the title of that book was a quote he took from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who is uh, the famous Russian dissident who spent years in a Russian gulag under Soviet uh, Russia. But anyway, Rod Dreher in his book talks about <coughs> the coming soft totalitarianism that is moving across the West and he likens it to other trying times for Christians throughout history. One of the things he mentions in his book is right at the end of World War II, um, as Nazi Germany was being defeated, they were being pushed back the, the, on the, the west, the allied forces were, were gaining ground, and from the east, the Red Army of Russia was was uh, winning ground against the Nazis, and he focuses on this country of Czechoslovakia. <clears throat> and I guess the Czech, Re Czech Republic, or not the Czech Republic, the, the country of Czechoslovakia at the time, now it's the Czech Republic and Slovakia, two separate countries, but at the time it was all Czechoslovakia. They entered into an agreement with, with uh, Russia that uh, they would cooperate and they would have supposed, supposedly freedoms granted to them. And there was a man <coughs> fleeing his native land of Croatia who, who took his mother's maiden name. He had a Croatian name, but he, he didn't want to be targeted by the Nazis. And so he took his mother's maiden name, Kolakovic, and he was a, a uh, priest in the Catholic Church there in Czechoslovakia, and he taught in the university. And he was trying to prepare people for this coming persecution that he could see coming from communism. <coughs> and he was talking to Christians, those who professed to follow Christ. And this Father Kolakovich would organize these Christians in Czechoslovakia into home groups or small cell groups and encourage them to pray and read the scriptures and stick together around Christ. <clears throat> the thing that struck me about listening to this audio book was this quote by Father Kolakovich, and it's what I am using as the topic of this sermon today. This is a quote from Father Kolakovich. He said to these people, give yourself totally to Christ. Throw all your worries and desires on him, for he has a wide back, and you will witness miracles. Give yourself totally to Christ. Throw all your worries and all your desires on him, for he has a wide back, and you will witness miracles. <clears throat> That's a good quote. 
So I've been praying, Lord God, would you help me to give myself totally to Christ? And the thoughts have been churning in my mind, and so uh, this past week I just... I just thought about us in our situation in the world today. And I don't think any better advice could be given to anyone than that. Give yourself totally to Jesus Christ. And um, I would like to just look at some scriptures in light of this. I believe as we give ourselves totally to Christ, we will be best suited to be salt and light in this world, and we will be most prepared for whatever hardships might come our way. So I'm going to start with turning with you to the book of Matthew. If you have a Bible, please join me. Matthew chapter 13 starting at verse 44. These are the words of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 13, he tells a lot of parables, which are little short stories designed to communicate a main point. A main spiritual point. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 44, and I'm going to read two parables, the hidden treasure and the pearl of great value. Starting at verse 44, Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Notice both, both of these parables convey the same message. Something is found that is very, very precious. In fact, it is so precious that it, it's worth selling everything else to obtain that precious thing. The thing that Jesus says here is the kingdom of heaven is that precious thing. <clears throat> This, this is to have a personal relationship or friendship with the king of the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven of being of infinite value and it's worth selling all for, what he means is to be in relationship with him. He's the king of the coming kingdom. Someday soon, Jesus will return and all the kingdoms of this world will come under his feet. He will be ruler of all forever. That's a crazy message. And when I say crazy, I mean it's wild and it's fantastic. But that is exactly what Jesus said was coming. He was coming. And to, 
to have the kingdom of heaven, to obtain the kingdom of heaven, is to be a part of his kingdom through a relationship of friendship with him, to know Jesus and to be loved by this king, and to be forgiven by him and to be ruled by him and to be led by him and to be on mission with him in this world and to reign with him in the next world is the greatest of all treasures. It is worth selling everything else to obtain. So in all of our talk of our commitment to Jesus, of giving ourselves totally to Jesus Christ, let's start right here. See the truth and the beauty and the preciousness of following Jesus. You know, I listened to a uh, video this week, of, um, a couple of videos, but one of, they were interviewing David Platt, who is a preacher, and uh, David Platt said, God's word calls us to both enjoy Christ and to exalt Christ. And I just want to camp just for a moment on that first one. The Bible commands us, Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, the most fundamental command that Jesus gives to people is come and find in me your satisfaction and your delight and your treasure. Before we talk about our commitment to him, let's recognize what he's offering us total forgiveness of all of our sins because of his death on the cross for us. A place, a standing, a status with God. We might have a low status in this age right now. We might be considered, of all people, most to be pitied in this age right now. But Jesus gives us a standing before God Almighty. And soon, very soon, that will feel infinitely weighty. And your status in this world will feel infinitely small in comparison. Jesus gives us a standing before God. He gives us salvation but he gives us a standing and we will be vindicated for whatever trouble we must go through for his sake very shortly so let's just start off by realizing what we're giving ourselves to is a person whose value and preciousness and to be with this Jesus forever and ever is the most the sweetest thing. I know you're not supposed to use two superlatives, but it is the most sweetest. It is the most greatest. So, when we think of sacrificing or giving up our lives for Jesus completely, we see that it's, it's the most logical thing to do. Which brings me to the second passage I'd like to go with with you is to Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bibles open there, just go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Um, Romans chapter 12. 
And in the Pew Bible, that's page 1126. 1126. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul speaking to the Christians in Rome. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, the first two verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Okay, I just, just want to stop there for a moment. He has just given 11 chapters of glory and beauty and all that God has done in Jesus Christ for the salvation of his people. So when he says, I appeal to you, therefore, he's talking about, based on everything I've said for the last 11 chapters, the mercies of God in Christ. I appeal to you on that basis, because of that, in response to that, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So here in Romans 12, Paul is calling for all Christians to present, to give their bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is the only... The ESV says it is your spiritual worship. The, the word in the Greek is logikon, which is where we get our word logical. Some, trans, some versions have it. it. It is your logical worship or your, your logical response to such a precious treasure as Christ. <clears throat> to give your body in this verse is a very concrete term. Paul doesn't want us to get lost in some sort of mental head games. He wants his readers to realize in a concrete way they are to present their bodies as living sacrifices to God. To present your body includes presenting all of you. Here I am, Lord, your mind as well as your body, but, but he's, he's using a very concrete term. My life, my body is at your disposal. And when he says present your body as a sacrifice, all, all the, this ancient world were very familiar with sacrifices. We aren't so much familiar with it in our day and age, unless you're talking about baseball and a sacrifice fly. Um, but it still conveys the same idea. It conveys the same idea. You're giving up yourself for someone else. And, and the sacrifice in the ancient world was an animal had to give its life entirely for someone else. And so the, what Paul is saying is, give up your body as a entirely, totally to God as a sacrifice. And he says a living sacrifice. That means in an ongoing way, ongoing way, Monday morning. You know, I just want to say something. I've said this before, but just because preachers stand up here and say words does not mean preachers necessarily are living it. Do you hear that? Pray for this preacher. Pray that I will do this every day. And I will pray for you that you will. 
But brothers and sisters, a living sacrifice means all the time, Lord Jesus, I am at your disposal. I am reporting for duty. Use me. Spend me. Take my free time. Take my Saturdays. Take my 401ks. Take my children. Take my health. Take my wealth. I am yours. Take me. I think that's what it means to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. There is no mistake. We are called by God to surrender ourselves and give ourselves entirely up to him as a living sacrifice. And I ask this question. Are you all in for Jesus Christ? I ask myself that question. And you know what I, you know what I want to say? Beware, beware of being in love with an idea of commitment. Sin and the devil and the world conspire in many insidious ways to keep us from Christ, to keep us from full-on happiness in his presence forever. And one of the ways I think he does, one of the ways I think sin works is that we we fall in love with ideas about being a faithful follower. And we certainly want to appear to be a lover of Jesus. I'm just saying, ask yourself that question. Lord, am I obedient to Romans chapter 12, verse 1? Am I giving myself as a living sacrifice? Am I giving my body every day as a living sacrifice. And so now I want to go to the final passage I want to look at today, and this is over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. Matthew, chapter 10. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 10 at verse 32. And I'm going to read down through verse 39. You know what? I'm not going to read. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start back up in verse 26. <clears throat> 26 through 39. Matthew chapter 10, Pew Bible, page 969. Matthew 10, starting at verse 26, and I'm going to go down through verse 39. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or nothing is hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. 
Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In this passage, Jesus is instructing his disciples, whom he's sending out to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near and it comes in the person of Jesus, he warns them ahead of time that they'll be hated and persecuted and to not be afraid of those who can only kill them, verse 28, but rather to fear offending God and setting yourself against God. Here he's warning them and preparing them to realize that they will be met with resistance and persecution because sinful people by fallen nature hate Jesus. Jesus is giving his followers a heads up so that they'll be mentally prepared when that suffering comes. And near the end of this passage, Jesus makes it clear all those who would belong to him and finally be saved must love him supremely above all else, including closest family members. You see that? He who loves father, mother more than me, son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, there's different ways you can hear this. There's different ways you can hear that. You could hear that as very, wow, that's harsh. Aren't I supposed to love my parents? What's all this talk about? Not bringing peace on the earth, Jesus. I thought you were the Prince of Peace. Jesus is going to bring peace, but what he meant is, in the short run, it's not going to be peaceful. In fact, if you belong, if you are devoting yourself completely to Jesus, it will cause friction sometimes among your closest loved ones. Jesus is a watershed in this world because we the world is messed up. Um, but what, Lord, that sounds harsh. Love you more than my family. I'm supposed to love my family, aren't I? And I just want to say this. He wants us to show proper love and care for our family. He does. But what he means is he wants first place. And look at who he is and what he's doing for us. This is God come in flesh, giving himself for us. He's giving himself completely for our salvation and our satisfaction and our standing. The only fitting response to this king is to love him supremely. It, it, 
It only sounds burdensome if we don't believe him for who he is. He also makes it clear in this passage that in order to belong to him and to be truly his followers, we must take up our cross and follow him. What did that mean? Well, in, in Jesus' day, everybody knew what that meant. It didn't just mean wearing a cross necklace or cross earrings. It, it, the cross was a Roman execution tool. And the Romans would put crosses at intersections of famous roads and they'd hang people on them to show it was a terror. It was, it was an act of terrorizing. It was a terrorist tactic so that the people would be in utter terror of offending Rome. And when he hung Jesus on a cross, what, when Jesus says, whoever does not take his own cross and follow me, is not worthy of me. He says that in verse 38. Everybody in that day knew what that meant. It meant come and die. Come and die. You know, you know Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the famous German pastor who was a part of a plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler, died in a German concentration camp two weeks before the, that camp was liberated by the occupied forces and Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a famous book called The Cost of Discipleship. And in that book, he says, the cross is not something that meets a Christian at the end of an otherwise happy life. The cross confronts us at the beginning of our Christian walk. Jesus, when he calls people, he bids them come and die. What does he mean by that? Come and die to your own idea of what, what you would make you happy, your own desires, and cash them all in for Jesus. What do you desire? What do you want? What would please you? That's what it, that's what it means. Die to yourself. Die to the... I wrote it down. Die to sin and to self and the world. And Jesus ends with this, this maxim, this axiom in verse 39, whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This means the only way to be a true Christian is to lose your life for Jesus' sake. <clears throat> One of the things I want to do to be faithful in my role here at this church is to proclaim the true gospel. But in so doing, I want to expose false gospels, and I just want to expose one right now. Here's a false gospel. You can have Jesus and still be in love with the world and still just carry on as normal. Jesus' own words will not allow that. It's got to be one or the other. It's, it, it's either Jesus or the world. So I just want to appeal to you on the authority of Jesus' words. Sell out to him. Give yourselves totally 
to Jesus Christ. Throw all your worries and all your desires on Him. He has a wide back. And you will witness miracles. But, here's a warning for you. Don't think that by giving yourself halfway that this Christianity thing is going to work. Don't think that. Don't think, hey, hey, I prayed and nothing ever happened. I have a question. Have you ever submitted completely to Jesus and then prayed? Try it. I don't mean just try it. I mean give yourself completely to Jesus. It's much easier to talk about this than do it. A real radical work must happen in our hearts, and it is a miracle of God. But I just want to say to everyone here right now, if that's what you want, if you want him to make your heart new and you want to give yourself totally to him, and yet you might be saying, I'm not, I'm not I don't think I'm there yet, but I want to be there. Tell him. Tell him that. And he will take you. He will take you. And he'll take you by the hand and he'll say, follow me. And he will lead you in crazy paths for his namesake. And you will be glad. Let's pray for this miracle to affect, that God would affect this miracle in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, all things are naked and laid bare before your holy gaze. You can see our hearts better than we can see our own. You know us, Lord. Oh, Lord, I want for myself and I want for my friends here to see the beauty and the infinite value there is in Jesus Christ. To know you, to love you, and to be loved and known by you, even as we really are, is truly the greatest of all treasures. Lord, I pray that we would see it. And in response, that we would give ourselves totally to Jesus Christ. Lord, please, please deliver us from half measures or some sort of religious acting. And please bring us to that place of full surrender, full devotion.
Lord, your, your word is true, and you have promised whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us from humble hearts, from childlike hearts, that we would call upon you and say, Lord, deliver me. Deliver me from my bondages. Deliver me from my selfishness. Deliver me from my sinful patterns. Come and be my savior, my rescuer, my deliverer. Lord, I just pray that that would be our prayer today, that we would call upon you. And Lord, you promised, you promised whosoever calls will be rescued. And now, Lord, as we go into a time in just a few moments of around your table, we remember, we remember, Lord Jesus, that you gave that last full measure of devotion by laying down your life for us. May we lay our lives down for you. In Jesus' name, amen.